Amen, very much for that. So what a gift and musical offering we have. Uh, we have so many great voices in our church, and uh, both singing and speaking. We see our speaking voices some uh, during our, our Sunday morning services, but often during our Christmas time when uh, we have many different uh, opportunities to, to speak. And voice is, is really an interesting aspect of life. Could you imagine life without voice? You know, it's interesting, <clears throat> my uh, middle school son uh, told me, informed me, educated me just probably two years ago that uh, now Google has an opportunity. If you want to do a Google search, you know, you don't have to use the keyboard anymore. You can just say, hello, Google, and bloop, it pops up. And uh, there, if you're on the right uh, uh, search engine operating system that way. Um, but uh, all you have to do is use your voice, and then I could say, uh, find Sam Muley's phone number for me. I don't know if it would find it for me, but uh, it will certainly hear my request and it will look. Some of the new uh, smartphones, uh, you know, they've gone to biometrics uh, using fingerprints and all sorts of ways of locking and protecting and providing security for phones. But uh, now when you buy new uh, phones, certain ones at least, uh, you can use your voice as part of the biometric by which uh, the phone will recognize you, not just with your thumbprint, but you can also say, uh, if you have an Apple phone, you could say, hey, Siri, and all of a sudden it'll come to life, and you can then speak uh, to the computer system there. Uh, it's pretty fun. Kind of odd, but it's pretty fun. The University of Montreal, uh, a couple of years ago, did a study about the, uh, the ability for humans to recognize voice, familiar voices, and uh, talked about how they humans are still better than machines, uh, at uh, accurately identifying a familiar voice. In fact, those with a normal hearing can recognize a familiar voice 99.9% of the time after, guess how many syllables? So if you hear this many syllables, you could recognize a familiar voice. How many syllables do you think? One syllable? A little bit higher. Four syllables. Man, you must have read the study. It is. It's four syllables. In fact, up in Quebec, uh, the, the word was merci beaucoup. And so uh, all they, they did a lineup of uh, people that were unknown to the test subject, and then one person that was either familiar, a good friend, or a family member, and all it took were four syllables, and 99.9% .9 of the time, they could identify the voice of the one known to them. Really wonderful. We want to be able to hear God's voice. And certainly God has given us his word in the Bible as a primary source for us to hear him. And that's why we use this book every Sunday when we teach. That's why Rex used this book uh, at the men's retreat in Casadero, because this is God's great way of speaking into our lives. But it's not the only way that God speaks. And we want to hear God and be confident that we are hearing from him. If only he would audibly thunder from heaven. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If God would just do that for us, yet we know that that's not his usual way. We might fear when we start talking about what it means to hear the voice of God. We might get fearful uh, about those who might get let off by religious uh, zealots, often sometimes to disastrous ends. Those who claim something about God and mislead others who would follow. But yet we still long to know God and the beauty of his voice. One observer of shepherds 
in some Semitic communities, a Bedouin area, he was struck when a shepherd once approached a pen full of sheep, and inside this pen there were sheep that belonged to four different shepherds. And merely with a couple of whistles and a couple of calls from his voice, those sheep who belonged to that one shepherd, each of them separated themselves from the others in the pen and went out and met him outside of the pen, but none of the others came. They all stayed there because they didn't recognize their shepherd's voice. That was an unfamiliar voice to them. Today, as we think about Jesus, we continue in our series on Jesus is, looking at the I am statements of Jesus. We looked uh, last week about Jesus being the gate, the doorway into a meaning with God and relating to him. Today, it's really the other side of the coin. If we access God through Jesus as the gate, remember we talked last week about really knowing God, we must come to and go through Jesus to be in a real, genuine, lasting relationship with God. Today we're going to look at the idea of Jesus being the good shepherd. Now there are many different aspects of shepherding that we could focus on, and at first I thought we would just kind of settle on a few various kind of shallow, uh, not go very deep in various aspects of shepherding, but then I thought it might be better for us to actually look at one aspect a little bit more clearly And it's the aspect of recognizing the voice of the shepherd and following faithfully. We uh, we sung a little about it this morning um, with the the hymn we just sang, uh, various aspects, uh, Savior like a shepherd lead us, uh, describing some of the facets of shepherding. A shepherd in Jesus being that shepherd, he befriends us. A good shepherd is a guardian to the sheep. A good shepherd receives his sheep, and a good shepherd provides for his sheep. All wonderful themes. We might touch on those briefly, but today we're going to focus most uh, most clearly on the voice of the Lord. Here now, John chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 5, and then pick up again in verse 11. Jesus speaking, he says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man who runs away because he is a hired hand And cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. So to you, Father, we lift our voices again. We ask that your spirit would speak to our hearts in these moments together so that we would be able and ready to respond so that we could be your flock, your people, trusting you, listening and following you, good shepherd. May it be so now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I I don't want to just gloss over the fact that over and over Jesus comes back to the idea of him as the good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for the sheep. Part of that description is him uh, helping us understand that as the owner of the sheep, the one who has responsibility for the sheep, one who really cares for the sheep, he's not like the hired hand in the way that he deals with us. You see, the hired hand comes and he, uh, he has certain responsibility, but when push comes to shove and when things get real and things get serious and there's real danger and real issues, the hired hand, he doesn't want to deal with that stuff because he doesn't care what happens to the sheep in the same way that the owner of the sheep does. And so Jesus is the good shepherd as the owner of the sheep, as master for us and Lord. He cares what happens to you because of his great love. It matters to him. And so when thick comes, he is there. When darkness envelops, he is there as the light to lead through it. He doesn't disappear. He stands with as a shield for the sheep. He is the source of strength. And he tells us that he lays his life down willingly. That nobody wrestled his life away from him. It wasn't by accident that Jesus found himself at the cross. There are some interpreters of the scripture who like to think that Jesus somehow had another plan in mind. And this was sort of something, uh, his ideas for what his life would be in his future and his ministry might become got hijacked by those who were more powerful and had different ideas. And they overwhelmed him. My friends, there could be nothing further from the truth. Jesus' purpose in coming was to find himself at the right time on the cross because of his great love for you. Because nothing else could actually deal with our problem of sin that separates us from God. There is nothing else that could deal with that problem and deal with that separation from God other than Jesus himself dying in your place. And so he comes and he says, I give my life of my own accord. Do you hear Jesus saying, I love you enough to die for you? Because apart from my death and you're accepting the effectiveness of that death, then you have no hope for eternal life or life with God. You see, we also, through history, it's been a shame that there have been uh, seasons in the church's life and Christianity's history of trying to point fingers and to blame certain groups for the death of Jesus. There have been times when Christians have pointed the finger at Jewish people and have blamed them for the death of Jesus. And you see, that, that's not what we are to do. Jesus came and he died of his own accord. 
And he reminds us that he lays his life down, and if he lays it down, he will also take it up again. And that's why we celebrate the goodness and greatness of his resurrection. Jesus loves you. He is the owner of the sheep. He's the master and Lord of our lives, and he cares about what happens in your life. And when things get hard, his promise is to be with you through those hard times because he cares for you. He won't run away. He also knows the sheep. The good shepherd knows the sheep. This isn't just an acquaintance type relationship. It isn't just an awareness of who you are, but we're talking about deep and real knowledge. In fact, in verse 15, he says, just as the father knows me and I know my father, so too I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If you really want to think this week about the depth of God's knowledge of you and his desire for you to know him, go home this week and contemplate about the relationship of the triune God among the three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Consider and read scripture about the ways they interrelate with one another, the ways they know one another. And then you will begin to rejoice at the depth of knowledge and relationship, the intimacy that God is inviting you into with him. That is the Christian life. It's not just to know some theory of salvation or what it means to be uh, acceptable to God. But the Christian life is about walking with Jesus every day of your life. And so often, so many of us miss that reality. We miss it. And it's sad. It's sad. You see, our life with the Lord needn't become dull nor ordinary. I love what uh, Gandalf in the the book, The Lord of the Rings, says about uh, hobbits when he's there uh, uh, interacting with uh, Frodo, I think. He he just kind of chuckles and he says, you, you can know all about hobbits and all their ways in a month, and yet after a hundred years, they will still surprise you. He is delighting in his relating to the hobbits, and so our relationship with the Lord. Maybe you became a Christian as a child, and maybe now you're entering into your twilight years, but you will never explore or exhaust the understanding of the depths of God, and he will still surprise you. But hearing God's voice comes out of this knowledge. You see, the ability to hear God's voice and to trust what you're hearing comes out of relationship. A study done by Arizona State University looked at how children, very young, young children, are able to distinguish their mother's voice from other female voices. And the study looked at how the importance between both sight and sound relate into the child's understanding and being able to differentiate their mother's voice versus other women's voices. And uh, the the study was uh, concluded that that this interrelation in the brain between uh, knowing sight and visually of what a mother's face looks like and the way the voice sounds uh, somehow does something in the brain that helps them be able to uh, identify that particular voice and to recognize it. You see, that idea that combination of sight and sound only comes out of a relationship. You can't have both if there is no relationship. And so it is with us as our relationship with the Lord deepens. He is our shepherd, has a distinctive voice. And we as his sheep 
learn to recognize that voice because of our relating to him. And there are some factors in knowing God's voice, three of them. Really quickly, I just want to touch on and highlight this morning. One is that the voice of God, that inner small voice as the Spirit would speak to us, has a quality to it. You see, when when the God of the universe speaks, even a still small voice, it has weight and authority. Remember when Jesus walked and people just were amazed when he would speak because he spoke as one who had authority. He didn't talk like the other teachers of the day. He didn't talk like the priests and the preachers of the day. He spoke and his voice had a quality, a substance to it that was unlike other voices that they heard. You see, when Jesus speaks to your heart, what he says is spoken with clarity and confidence. It's never overwhelming. It's never uh, a sense of uh, forcing something or himself on you. But it's clear. It's confident. It's authoritative. That is the voice of God. It has a quality to it. There's also a spirit or a tone to the voice. You know what tone is like. You, you can pick up tone, right? If I said, uh, if I came to Stephen, I said, hey, Stephen, your hair is unique. What, what tone do you pick up in my statement? Uh, <laughs> no, not, not the words, but the tone. The tone. Your, your hair is unique. I'm, I'm trying to speak in it without a tone, okay? All right. Now, if I said your hair is unique, do you hear the tone? You get the idea, right? Or what if I said your hair is unique? <laughs> Right? There's sarcasm there. You can hear the tone, but if I just simply say, your hair is unique, there, there's a tone and a quality that we perceive and pick up, and that's one of the beauty of interacting with people. Um, that's one of the, the abilities of understanding sarcasm. Uh, when Jesus speaks, there's a tone to the voice that comes to the heart. There's an exalted peacefulness, some describe. There's a confidence. There's a joy and a sweet reasonableness and a good will, Dallas Willard describes it as. A sweet reasonableness and good will. Don't you like that? There's a tone to the voice of the Lord for you to become familiar with Him speaking. You see, we read last week in the same chapter of John, chapter 10, that Satan, our enemy, comes to bring death. Your enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to bring life and to give you life to the full. You see, Jesus' voice comes as one of encouragement, one of hope, of healing, of building up, of peace. Other voices bring accusations and despair and strife. So, the Lord's voice has a quality to it. There is a tone in it. And certainly the message If God is speaking to you, there is a content that has to be understood because the voice of the Lord will always conform. It will always be consistent with the truths of what he's already given us in his written word. Always. Now, Rex reminded us this week that there are times and passages that we have to wrestle with. And you know what? That's God's good gift to us because it reminds us uh, that God is, is not simplistic 
And it invites us into this ongoing, deepening dynamic with Him. God's nature and the kingdom are made clear in the Scriptures. You remember the the first temptation in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? What had God told them about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Do not eat it, right? So the serpent comes in Genesis chapter 3, and what is the first question? Did God really say, right? So that certainly was not the voice of God. What about uh, when Jesus is tempted in Matthew chapter 4? Right? The devil would come back and um, the devil says, it is written, and he would, he would take a portion of Scripture and he would bend it for his own purposes and Jesus would take the full counsel of the Scriptures and he would correct the misinterpretation of what Satan was tempting him with. So you see, the voice of God, there's a content from it. And that content helps protect us, uh, again, from what Dallas Willard describes as the wild side of religious expression. Right? We... I mean, in the Bay Area, we know one of the results of that um, in uh, the People's Temple movement um, and the, the disastrous consequences that that can result in. So we all need to have caution against that. But it also protects us from the legalistic side of religious practice, just merely walking through the motions without any life or uh, joy in the midst of our relating to the Lord. What Dallas Willard goes on to say is that we need firsthand experience of hearing God's voice, of being held safely within a community of brothers and sisters in Jesus who also have such knowledge of God's personal dealings with their own souls. So it is critical that we are formed in a community of faith because that helps keep us on the right track. It helps bring perspective in our understanding of discerning God's voice in our lives and understanding God's voice through the Scripture. One final element in your bulletin this morning, as we conclude, I want you to pull out this little yellow sheet. It has our series uh, to date and to come. And on the very back side, um, I've written here a family devotion idea. This really could be for anybody But one of the great passages of shepherding, and there are many in the scripture, Ezekiel 34 is one, but one of my all-time favorites is Psalm 23. And often you may think about Psalm 23 in association with funerals or memorial services and around death, and certainly there's appropriateness to that. But I want to invite you to take Psalm 23 this week and to read it as a passage of life, not of death, a passage of hope, not of despair, A passage of being reassured of how the Good Shepherd leads you through the various aspects and seasons of your life. So you have some items there in the weeks to come. If you ever want to take notes, you'll have these inserts in the weeks to come where you can do that and uh, take home and uh, talk with uh, a friend in the church, maybe in your Sunday school class. Uh, You might want to talk with your spouse or um, your children at home, but uh, however God would lead you. Uh, during this series to take, and my hope is that God's Word would become active uh, continually in the weeks between our Sundays, where God's work is doing work in you. God's Word is doing work in you. And so that is one of my great prayers and hopes for us as a fellowship. Let's pray together. God in heaven, thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your great love, good shepherd, the way that you provide and protect and guard and the way that you speak.
we pray this day that our ears would be tuned to you, that we would learn a discerning and steady, responsive recognition of your voice. We'd be able to quickly identify those other voices and to turn away. And when we hear your still small voice calling and speaking to us, we would be eager to lean in and to listen and that that might be a regular reality for us, walking in your kingdom as your sheep and you as our good shepherd. May it be so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.